What's up, homies? What's up, homies? I'm Erica. And I'm Roshane. And, as always, thank you so much for hanging out with us today as we dive into another spooky movie with the oh, homies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Spooky time, yeah. Um, <laughs> today we're talking about a movie that I feel like has been kind of in demand lately. Like, we decided to talk about this we decided to talk about this movie like a couple weeks ago and then we ended up mm -hmm. kind of like mishmashing the schedule moving some things around and so we pressed it to this episode obviously but it's been kind of a month for for hellraiser i've been seeing hellraiser content and conversations throughout the month and mm -hmm. It's kind of it's kind of giving me life. I I've been kind of digging all of the the pinhead slash Hellraiser entertainment that has been going on lately. But I'm like, am I missing something? Is November like a like National Hellraiser Month or something like that? Yeah, I don't know where, I'm like, what caused this? I mean, I think maybe there may be an adaption coming up sometime here in the future. Oh, right. Yeah, I think they're doing yeah, a revamp. Yeah, there is. They are doing they're doing a TV show um, for Hellraiser that is I actually don't know when that's getting released, mm -hmm. but they are doing a TV show. That is okay. true. Maybe if we find more information on that, we can, you know, plug it in here uh, for the homies. Uh, possibly. Yes. But if, but we, if don't, we don't, if we don't, don't be mad. We're going to keep talking. We're going to keep it moving. <laughs> Okay, homies, uh, so I looked it up, and I do have a slight Hellraiser information update for the upcoming show and feature film. It looks like they're going to be doing both. Um, it looks like the movie is going to be directed by David Bruckner, and then the TV show may potentially be directed by... Um, David Gordon, Gordon Green, at least the first episode of the TV show, so the pilot. Um, so as of October 20th, 2021, there is no, there's no announcement as far as a potential premiere date. It's just still in development. I'm not even sure that they have the script can entirely pinned down yet. But yeah, so it's in the works, but not... It's still in the initial planning stages, it seems. So that is my that's my Hellraiser update for you guys. And it actually looks like the movie is going to be on Hulu. The TV show is going to have no connection to the movie, and the TV show is going to be on HBO. So, yeah. Yeah, so obviously you're talking about Hellraiser today, and we actually decided to talk about this the basically the day after we did our Halloween party, mm -hmm. because for everybody that wasn't there, we did a ranking, a definitive ranking of horror movie villains. And obviously Pinhead 
as the man himself, as the baddie he is. Um, he was in, in our list, and we were actually pretty surprised by the love that he received from from all the homies that were in attendance. Mm-hmm. Apparently, um, because he is top fucking tier. This is... He is that bitch. He is. And we didn't... We I knew that. Like, I had a feeling that Pinhead was, in fact, the man in charge, mm-hmm. the the HBIC, but <laughs> I didn't know that so many people felt the same. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so it was very validating. I was very excited about the Pinhead love that was received. See, I was on the other side of that spectrum where I was shook. I was like, I had no idea that Pinhead was so beloved mm-hmm. by so many people Granted, if you can't tell, um, I'm the lesser experience with this franchise. Um, funny enough, like we'll talk about it when we get into the review, but like I know exactly how far I've gotten in Hellraiser. And um, <laughs> small spoiler, it's not very far. Yeah. But, <laughs> but this was my first time actually watching Hellraiser from start to finish, all the way through without pauses or stops. And so when we're doing that tier list, I was like, man, I really got to go back and watch this movie. Everybody loves Pinhead. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's 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 one of those things where I've seen this movie a lot and I I I feel like possibly in an earlier episode like and when i say earlier i mean like a year ago ish that i might have actually listed hellraiser as one of like my top horror movies okay so i but it's also a movie that i am very much aware is like hellraiser is one of those movies to me where it has flaws that even i am like dude, what the fuck is going on? Like, I see it and I'm like, what is this? But Mm -hmm. it makes me like the movie more. But I could see in another person's eyes that being something that would put them off of the movie. So it's one of those things where when I speak to it about other people, I kind of know they're probably going to fall into dislike or like category for that film. Mm -hmm. And... I guess I just always assume it's going to be dislike and then I'm pleasantly surprised when it's like mm-hmm. because I just do think that there's a lot about this film that is not it, it's like a it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea and it can also maybe be like melodramatic or maybe mm-hmm. boring to certain people and so yeah I always get really excited when people like it and so I think for both of us, we saw that. I mean, for you, for slightly different reasons, like you just said. But I think for both of us, we were like, it's, it's time. The time has come, the pinhead said, <laughs> to, to show you, show you such sights um, that you have not seen. So, yeah, it was, it was time to talk about Hellraiser. And I'm really, really excited for this conversation today. Yeah, I'm excited for this conversation, and it's kind of cool that we have the two perspectives of a Hellraiser veteran and a Hellraiser newbie, so we can, uh, you know, duke out our thoughts and opinions from those two places and see where we end up at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but should we just uh, should we just dive right into the box and uh, get started? Yeah, let's do it. Let's let's open that puzzle box. Well, homies. We are entering into spoiler territory, so you have been warned. But today, 
like we said, we are talking about Hellraiser from 1987. This was directed and written by Clive Barker, uh, based on his 1986 novella, The Hellbound Heart, and is starring Andrew Robinson as Larry, Claire Higgins as Julia, Ashley Lawrence as Kirsty, and Doug Bradley as the head Cenobite. Cenobites. A group of extraterrestrial beings whose purpose lies in exploring the lines between pain and pleasure. Summoned only through a mysterious puzzle box, these beings lay dormant until summoned by the desires of man. And that's exactly what the pleasure-seeking Frank does to grim consequence. After Frank's disappearance, his brother Larry moves into his home, hoping to mend his relationship with his second wife, Julia. Little does he know, he's not the only one after Julia's heart. Insert deadly first dates, ooey gooey exes, and lots and lots of sexual innuendo here. Our film concludes with Larry's daughter, Kirsty, trying to save her father from Frank while saving herself from the Cenobites. Also, don't look at me. Roll credits. Cinnabon. That's what I felt like. <laughs> Cinnabon, a place that always gives me diarrhea. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> no, but it's a it, truly it's a fine line between pleasure and pain, and <laughs> Cinnabon. <laughs> Cinnabon definitely teeters that line for me. <laughs> oh my god! Well, those things about Erica, I did not know until today. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that mall food, you know, it hits different it sometimes. Does, it does. <laughs> But all right, Erica, talk to me. What is in your notebook? Okay. The first note I have is, oh, I said, my man set the candles and got covered in baby oil. He was ready for some pleasure. Now, of course, <laughs> of course, it's not baby oil. He's like sweating buckets. But right. um, yeah, we immediately meet Frank Cotton and he has searched out the puzzle box he which is you know something that i do enjoy about this movie i i like that there is this element that you have to seek this out you have to accept i am looking for this i am bringing this forth you have to solve this puzzle box and then of course everybody that it's one of those cases where it's be careful what you wish for, right? Because everybody that gets this box, they don't really know what they're getting. Right. They just know that it is um, going to make you experience the like intense pleasures that you've never experienced before, but that could be from heaven or from hell. Mm -hmm. And they don't know what that means, really. And so Frank 
has taken it upon himself to to you know accept whatever comes to him which of course he doesn't right like he 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 says that he will but obviously the entire plot of this movie stems on the fact that he is not willing to accept what the Cenobites have given him which mm-hmm. I, just, I mean yeah they killed him so like i get they killed him they, <laughs> they they killed him they skinned him they hung his penis from a rack they did they <laughs> from did. a pillar <laughs> so i get it like i understand the man's a little upset <laughs> by the terms and conditions of the contract but what we've come to learn of frank is that he is a man who is never okay with what he has he's always searching for for more mm-hmm. what he has is never enough it's never enough so one of the things i noticed um kind of about the at least for me something i noticed about the directorial style is there seems to be a lot of focus on like look at this like look at this gruesome thing on this screen right and it it varies in terms of how gruesome it is but it's a lot of the camera going to something, sticking on it, and forcing you to look at it. And so the first note that I had in my notebook was, look, look at these dirty nails as they're like close up on this man's just rotting fingertips around this Mm -hmm. box. Yeah, someone needs a manicure. Indeed, (laughs) indeed. But then that note is very closely followed up by, look, look upon these organs, <laughs> as all of them are just hanging from various different places in the room mm-hmm. after he opens the box, which subsequently, uh, I mentioned this at the beginning, I'll mention this now, um, I, so I've never watched this movie from beginning to end, and rewatching it this time, I understood why I never watched it from beginning to end, because one, I was far younger when I attempted to watch this movie and I always made it to the scene where Frank gets completely dismembered and his face is being put together before I promptly (laughs) turn off the TV and go on with my life. I always stop. You weren't kidding. Frank dies. You weren't kidding. I never make it past. That's like two minutes into the movie. I know. Color me surprised coming back to this movie (laughs) and finding out that this gruesome scene that I remember so vividly from my childhood happened in the first five minutes Mm -hmm. of the fucking movie. Yeah, I bet you were surprised to find there's like a whole movie after that. (laughs) I was, I was. (laughs) I was taking on a full on journey. And I bet you were shook when Frank came back to life. (laughs) Oh, I most certainly was. (laughs) What a plot twist. Yeah, there's a lot of... There's a lot of like um, flapping skin in this very beginning. I feel like this movie is partly where I got my love of gore from because I rem- I watched this a lot when I was like in middle school and I feel like this was my first introduction to like oh this is kind of crazy and kooky and mm-hmm. and i like this obviously you know i was watching the edited for tv version so some right. of the more sexual parts of this movie weren't really as focused upon although for the most part they just you know the only things i cut out are the nudity and then um 
maybe a little bit of the gore, but I feel like a lot of that actually was still on TV because on this rewatch that I did earlier, like I remembered a lot of the stuff that all of, a lot of the way that the gorier scenes unfolded. Like I remember mm-hmm. seeing that. So right. I don't feel like they cut too, too much out of it. And this movie was actually rated X. And then Clive Barker had to trim down um, some sequences to get the R rating that it now has. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and at the same time, I'm like, it's still a pretty gory movie. I mean, uh, yeah, some of these, t- a lot of these times you can you can kind of clock the effects, but still it looks pretty good. And yeah. I'm like, so I, I know he had to cut out maybe like some spanking and some of the like, killing scenes i think he had to trim those but you still right. are left with a fairly brutal um in its idea at least because nowadays i feel like the way that gore is this kind of seems tame now mm-hmm. with what we have but the idea of this is still a pretty brutal like imagery and and thought if you really yeah. think about it I mean, especially for, like, the late 80s, too. Like, granted, mm-hmm. like, gore was being seen a bit more often. Um, this, to me, is, like, that one step a little bit further, especially, you know, compared to other movies of the time. Um, just in terms of how graphic it is. I don't even think the violence is necessarily, like, too huge in its own way. I think it's more just the actual imagery. The things that you see are just so in your face and blatant that um i think for something that came out in the 80s it probably shook up a lot of christian families uh the other thing that i well uh, clearly didn't know this not having watched the movie all the way through but because i had such a vivid memory of that initial scene and the cenobites and like what they do to people right i always assumed that they were a much bigger portion of this movie but they're barely in it truth Mm -hmm. be told and that really caught me by surprise yeah as goes with a lot of these bigger horror villains of the 80s that you know became such huge figures within the genre because hellraiser is another movie where it has a shit ton of sequels and pinhead as a character has kind of become the the face of this series even though there are more Cenobites, Pinhead isn't even his real name. His name is like Hell Priest, but Pinhead is the name that the makeup artist gave to the character. And mm-hmm. so it just kind of caught on. But like they the they are not really the focus of this movie. This movie has it flip-flops a lot between who the main characters are. We get like four different main characters that we kind of follow their stories. And the Cenobites are like uh, D characters at best. Like they are barely in this movie. And of course, when they're in it, it's the things that they do when they're in it are fantastic and are memorable. Yes. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, they're not as much of a focal point as you would think they are, especially because even the puzzle box itself 
it it doesn't even really start to come back into play until about 45 minutes into the movie and that's what's necessary to summon the cenobites so yeah. for a long time they can, they don't even get an invitation to the party for like <laughs> half of the movie yeah it's really true and it's kind of wild too to think because well for First off, just to clarify, most of these opinions, I believe we're going to keep to just this movie. Like this is one of the, it's another one of those instances, like Erica says, where there's a lot of films. So there's a lot of changes in the characters and like their intentions and whatnot that we're not going to pay attention to. We're going to pretty much stick strictly to what we see here in this movie. Uh, But yeah, just knowing how big of, of a figure Pinhead becomes and the Cenobites in general, it's just, it was really jarring to have that scene happen and then move into the story with this family, with Larry and his family, and then just be sitting there being like, well, what, what about the box? Like, what happened to the box? <laughs> I thought those, mm-hmm. I thought the whole point of this movie was was this box thing with the, with the chain people in the box, and there's no box. Yeah, um, and it's gone, honey. We don't see gone. it. We don't now, know what happened to that box. <laughs> now the, la- the, the, the last note I had to put with the, with the box uh, stuff before they moved on to Larry, um, and this was a rhetorical question because I knew the answer watching more of this movie, but the question still remained. Um... Why did Pinhead have to rub the box like that? He, it, it's it's the way it's the mm-hmm. way that he rubs that box that I'm just like I wasn't ready for this level of sensualness mm-hmm. um so quickly. Everything is very sensual with the Cenobites because everything is about that line between pleasure and pain. That's what they're all about. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, obviously Clive Barker took a lot of um inspiration um for this kind of story from snm and which you know is is um sadism and masochism and the getting pleasure from either inflicting physical or mental pain upon another person and then or experiencing that mm-hmm. your, themselves and of course obviously that is consent snm is you know a meant to be consensual but i know he took a lot of inspiration for the cenobites and just the story within that so everything the cenobites do is very very sensual and very you know it's almost like they're doing foreplay into this torturous you know life that you're about to have before your soul gets torn apart Mm -hmm. you know but because even later on when they when they come in and they first reveal themselves to Kirsty, and is it is it butterball that puts sticks his or no it's chatterer no, that like sticks its fingers yeah. into her mouth and i was like what i the? had to look i had to look <laughs> over my shoulder real quick to make sure nobody else was walking in the room during that scene i was like this is uh this is getting a little questionable like hello <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so everything they do is very very um you know it, it, the way that they talk it, it kind of reminds me a lot in, in a couple different ways to to Candyman because mm-hmm. that's also based on a story by Clive Barker right. in the sense of everything has this oozes this sort of sex appeal mm-hmm. um, but that also comes with this you know violence along with it yeah. and, and they kind of, of that, have a similar thing 
Yeah, so that comes with the uh, um, intellect too of his villains in these stories and these adaptations too. Because I know I know he as a director he enjoys intelligent villains. He thinks that those are a bit scarier than the dumb ones, mm-hmm. which I agree with to an extent. Um, this idea that someone is very smart and intentionally doing these horrific things uh just kind of hits uh a little differently it resonates a little bit differently than some brute just chasing after you right Mm -hmm. um but in that way a lot of the villains crafted from his works always seem to have this elegance to them um in the way that they carry themselves and the way that they talk there's always just like a they're cut above the rest in terms of um the other uh horror icons that you could be afraid of because they're they're very intellectual and purposeful in the things that they're doing mm-hmm. yeah and i and i feel like that also comes from the the casting of them because doug bradley is a theater at, or you know came from a theater background and i feel like brought a lot of that to pinhead now the thing about the cenobites though is they're so stoic at least the ones that talk like the female cenobite and pinhead are so stoic and i feel like that's necessarily be necessary because they have so much going on looks physicality wise that they Mm -hmm. don't really have to do anything to be scary but there is you're right there's a certain amount of intellect and how do i beat this person it seems like they can so easily outsmart me outwit me how do i in this circumstance like how do i void this contract that i've made now that i've opened the box how do i get out of this situation and um i love how blatantly they're like you can't like once we're here we're here like it's on And baby, it's no, a wrap. No refund policy in this bitch. Once you open that box, it's game. It's, it's game it's on. Over. Do you want the hooks? Do you want the rack? Do you want the <laughs> knives? We pick your pick your poison. Like yeah. that's about it. That's all and I can like, say it's for so, you. It, it's so terrifying when it happens because they because they're so stoic. They don't feel any type of way about it, and they even say it themselves where. They're not good or bad in their eyes. They're just, they're exploring experience. That's what they do. And so they don't put any sort of, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? They don't have any sort of bias or, mm-hmm. or, or um, I guess, position in terms of like morally what they're yeah. doing. Like they're, this is what they do. And this is why they do it. And you open this box and guess what? You're going to do it too. And that is just, it's a terrifying idea, but it's one that I really like as a concept. And I know that this is something that does change throughout the series, but I'm happy with what we get in the first movie. This idea that they exist between angels and demons. They're not good or bad. They are just this specific thing that does this specific thing. Summon us. Who are you? 
explorers in the further regions of experience. Demons to some, angels to others. solved the box. We came. Now you must come with us. Taste our pleasures. Oh, no tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. Wait! 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 Please wait! No time for argument. You've done this before, right? Many, many times. Yeah, they're gray. There's no <laughs> black and white for them. It's just, this is it. This is just the way that things are. Um, so, yeah, it's, I, and I and I will say, I think the Cenobites are what I love so much about this movie. But also, I really love, like, Kirstie as a character. I think she's a very, very interesting character she's mm -hmm. not what i would normally can like she she's not a typical final girl in my opinion she's a little bit more like brash and bold and vocal like then and, and kind of just um like she's she's a little bit more rough around the edges i feel like than what I, you know, at that time, I considered Final Girls to be. And she's a much more human. Um, like, she has, you know, much more human-like qualities than a lot of Final Girls that we were getting around this time. And even some Final Girls that we've gotten since then. Um, so I really do like her a lot. I We don't get that much time with her. Mm -hmm. I almost wish we had more time to learn things about her, separate from just her dad and Julia, but I appreciate what we do get from her. For a long time, this is Julia's story, yeah. which is also so strange because she is not, in her head, she's doing everything that she's doing for love, right? Like that's what she is, is seeing this as, is I love this man so much and I wanna be with him so much that I am willing to do this thing. And I feel like, where for Frank's story, his story is very sexually driven, right? Like he, we see with his affair with Julia, he mentions that nothing is ever enough and he can't ever fulfill his sexual needs. He's always mm -hmm. searching for more, which is why he goes for the puzzle box. Yeah. But then it's the same thing for Julia is it's like, not only is she so sexually satisfied by Frank, she is willing bro smite me down if i'm ever so down bad for a guy that he comes to me looking like the juicy crypt keeper <laughs> telling me i need to kill people and i said yes and i say yes somebody take my hand and pray with me if i ever get to that point because that's out of pocket that's insane and she is so i don't know what he was doing but she is stuck on him and also she uses her sexuality as a weapon because mm -hmm. she goes and she kind of seduces these men brings them back to her house and then lets frank 
suck on him? What does <laughs> he do? Him <laughs> suck him dry. I don't know if we ever truly find out what he does other no. than they look like raisins after he's done <laughs> with them. And he like he does this thing where he like pokes his fingers into their neck, right? And, or right. like he like shoves his hand into their neck and then furiously says, Don't look at me after Don't look at me. <laughs> which is a yeah. great creative way to not have to show us what <laughs> the fuck you're doing. <laughs> Yeah, because you're right. He just shoves his... Everybody's skin is, like, made of latex in this movie. And so he just shoves his little fingers in there and just kind of, like, drains them dry Mm -hmm. of their... He scoops out all their juices. And then the next time we see him, he is glistening every single time after he has his meal of (laughs) of either rats or humans. (laughs) Right. It's It's so weird. Also, his, like, resurrection was so gross like god damn it It lasted so long and was just so detailed (laughs) it went into every bit Mm. of his resurrection like he's so gooey and gross super gooey and and that's actually that's one of my favorite shots of this movie is when they go from the the room and pan down and we see his heart start beating Mm -hmm. like the lead up into that resurrection scene and even that scene itself is pretty great but i just think that that's a really cool shot and oh yeah it's fantastic it just grosses me absolutely yeah it's super gross but i like some of the scenes in this because so obviously this this is clive barker's first time directing and he basically decided to direct because there had been two previous adaptations of his stories that he thought were shit, which was Underworld, which came out in 1985, and then Rawhead Rex, which came out in 1986. He was so disappointed with the way that they were adapted that he said, why don't I try? I can't do any worse than them. Mm-hmm. And so, and a lot of it, a lot of his directing, I think is pretty great. But then you have these moments like the moment leading into the resurrection she- resurrection scene where we see Julia reminiscing on this passionate moment she had with Frank <laughs> is 
is filmed like a soap opera. It's so dramatic. It's so dramatic. But, but so hold on. dreamy. These, these characters are dramatic as hell, though. Like oh, all things, all that aside, they are all so dramatic. Drama queens. Let's talk about the dinner scene. What kind of group? <laughs> what is this? What kind of dinner is this? Because this dysfunctional dinner, like, and what is old boy? What is Steve doing? The cigarette <laughs> trick in the mouth that got Kirsty all wet. <laughs> I was so <laughs> bewildered and confused by that. I was like, is it's this what so you have to do weird. to pick up a woman? Is this is this the move? Have we just forgotten the age-old trick of it's almost so swallowing weird. a cigarette? And then popping it back out. And the way that it's filmed, it looks like they sped it up mm -hmm. it, and then like played it in reverse. It looks bonkers. And how it keeps cutting back to her and she's just like smiling and laughing. That stuff like that feels so bizarre they have they'll have these moments where they cut to just reactions that people mm -hmm. have in between other things happening and it'll be like cut to you know cut to larry cut to julia cut to kirsty now the cigarettes in his mouth cut to this other person at the dinner table mm -hmm. you know and it's like happening so fast and you don't know exactly what they're reacting to and it's so not what anybody in real life would be like no, and it's no. so and it makes it so strange but for some reason i i love it like yeah. <laughs> it just makes it, its movies so it just fits into the movie somehow even though it makes me feel so uncomfy when i'm watching it at the same time i'm like i love everything about this dude i said i said the characters in this talk like aliens that are pretending to be <laughs> are pretending to be humans because yeah. it just feels like every conversation is just weird like everything has this weird gloss over it honestly for me it it reminded me a lot of the room in a way <laughs> But like enjoyable, you know, where yeah. <laughs> it was like the characters felt so bizarre, like the characters from the room. However, yeah. the plot kept me interested enough to like see where all the scenes went. And the directorial style, I think, is one of the charms of this movie because it's so bizarre and unique that you can't help but just keep watching because you're just like, what? What is this? Like, what, what is, is this? Why am I watching this guy eat a handful of crickets right now? Like what? What? <laughs> what? Excuse what me. Uses this scene, <laughs> right? And it just happens. I think it's because the pacing of it slows down in these moments. It's like you get these moments of just silence where people are just watching and reacting rather than speaking or jumping into the moment like they would in real life like mm -hmm. in, in real life if you were if someone was eating crickets you wouldn't just stand there and watch and then go <gasps> get out like you would be <laughs> actively like what the fuck what are the you fuck doing, are you doing? yeah <laughs> and so and so it's these like it, it's it feels very theater it feels like we need people we need the audience to catch up to this moment right like we need them to see everybody's reaction but rather than getting a a wide shot with all of the actors in the shot so that we can see both reactions happening in real time we get cut single shots of each person like <laughs> taking in that moment and it just feels 
oh, it's just so odd. Also, <laughs> I never know. As many times as I've watched this movie, I never know. I, I, I've come to assume that Steve is either Kirsty's boyfriend or like they they've known each other for a long time and they have this kind of like friends with benefits type of relationship mm -hmm. like I, i've never really known what exactly is going on with them but i hate oh i hate that moment when they're at the dinner the dinner table and he pours her more alcohol and she's like okay stop like i'm not going to be able to stand up and he's like well then lie down and everybody Ugh. starts laughing even her dad i was like yeah, oh so you like that dad yeah <laughs> you're into that <laughs> like yeah what? dude that's that's like a big we'll get into that a bit later but that's like a big con of mine just how cringy and uncomfortable some of this stuff gets um yeah. a little bit later on um but before moving into that uh i had a couple of questions um the first one it's it's backtracking a little bit to the imaginary sex scene or I guess sex memory, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Yeah, the reminiscing. Mm -hmm. um, I have a question for you because I want to know if it was just me. Right. But for how, one, the first note I had for that scene was, why is this man so wet? Like, he is just He's consistently dripping just in some dripping. kind of substance, whether uh, it's bodily fluid or goo, wet, like rain, sweat. He's just Frank constantly always, wet. Frank always got that drip, 100% of the time. <laughs> the this man, man is constantly dripping. <laughs> but he, so that scene was supposed to be like this very passionate affair that they had, right? Is it just me, though, or were the act, both actors just really awkward in the performance of it? Where, like, I feel like the scene was, like, heavily sex, had some heavy sexual energy, and, like, it was all, like, romance, like, telenovela, like, blah, 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 blah. But, like, the, they felt very stiff and awkward during it. Yeah, it, it, it's, that scene is weird because, because they are cutting in between, like, present day and the past, we miss a lot of stuff so he very they very obviously needed to you know pace it out well where we kind of saw them meet each other and then have sex i think frank as a character when he's human is just a weird guy anyways he's very like He's just not very talkative and everything he says just sounds like it was written by like he's an earlier version of like Christian Grey or something. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> Rough so, draft. yeah, he was the blueprint uh, for <laughs> for Christian. Um, yeah, he because it goes from them meeting and he's like, I'm Brother Frank. And then all of a sudden he's like how about a kiss for the bride and the next thing you know yeah he's like cutting her dress and undressing her and it is very odd like the right. the way because 
Something about the sequence of events there, man. This is weird. It it just, it's too fast. It's too fast. And it's it's a small thing, but I I do almost, it works with the story very well because Mm -hmm. I feel like it helps to show that Frank is really using Julia. Like she was just a body to him, right? Like she was just a good time. He didn't really care about her. And that fits in line with the story and with his character. And then in the same regard, it's kind of shows that Julia is really basing her love of Frank off of sex, off of the sexual moments that they've had. It does not really seem like they've had that much time with each other other than the times that they were banging. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, she's but she's still convinced that there can be something between them. So it, it makes sense in the grand scheme of things. But watching it in that moment, yeah, it's like, what is happening here? You're right. It's like two aliens who were like, oh, shall we? Sex <laughs> time. Sex mm. affair. Let's I have now. Penis inside <laughs> now. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, but it it is odd, and I love how they just ha- like they sleep together on top of her wedding dress. It's like, why was your wedding dress on the bed? First <laughs> of all, and secondly, you couldn't move it out of the way because <laughs> like, these characters are dramatic as hell. That's why the drama. She's like, yeah. I'm gonna make a statement. <laughs> We're gonna bang on my wedding dress. On my satin wedding dress. Yeah, <laughs> strange. <laughs> Yeah, Frank is a he's a strange character. I think even even more so the deeper into the movie you go. But honestly, so is Larry too. Like most of the mm-hmm. most of the dudes in this are just weird. Like they're weirdly written, um, and like uncomfortably so in a lot of places. But for Julia's character, what I find interesting is although I didn't like the dudes in this movie. I supported Julia's adventure or task that she was going on because (laughs) Mm -hmm. it seemed charged by her decision, you know, like for whatever reason, the gooey man got to her enough that she's willing to kill for him. And she seems very blatantly not happy with Larry. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we know too much about Larry, but at least for me, a little bit that we get of Larry, I was like, I don't really like this guy. So, like, I don't mind that you're going out and about doing all these tasks for Frank and Seth. Because I'm like, yeah, screw Larry. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't really care about him. Yeah, Larry is also, you're right. He's a character that we are meant to like. But I think we only like him as a dad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't think we're meant to necessarily like him as a husband but i think that's because you can just tell that these two characters don't fit together like they're just not good together i don't think that they make sense relationship wise at least from what we can see they're just two very different people and so it's like you know that they're not going to that they probably should not be together but of course that is, you know, we're jumping in with them already in a situation. And so it's like you're not supportive of Larry, but you're also not obviously supportive of, of Frank. And this movie to me has always felt like a really women led film. Mm-hmm. And you're right, because Julia is 
although her reasoning and what's driving her is a man, she's still really spearheading a lot of what is going on. Like well, she yeah, she's is doing she's doing literally all the fucking work. Like she's all doing all the, the heavy, heavy lifting. lifting. Yeah. And and it's not until and yeah, I mean later on, you know, once he gets a little bit stronger, Frank kind of helps out a little bit more. He's like, I guess I'll kill him. Um but still she's like doing a lot to to be the one, you know, working who who's making this work and then the same thing you know it really becomes up to to kirsty later on to to figure things out she's the one who has to try and save her dad she's the one who has to solve the issue she's mm-hmm. the one that has to take down her creepy uncle who's like very very obsessed with her in yeah. a weird way that uncle, um, that uncle frank shit that that was I was not okay with that. That was so Weird. fucking cringy. Weird uncle stuff. Lots of lots of strange uncle behavior happening from this man. Um almost immediately. Like as soon as he hears about her, he's like, oh, she's so beautiful, blah, blah. I'm like, oh it's like when's the last time you saw her, dog? Like, and what are you doing? Why are yeah, you this that, way? But- and like that, it's just it's hard for me. It was really hard to ignore, and it was just kind of distracting personally because like I didn't really want to harp too much on it, like while watching the movie. But and I guess slight trigger warning here, but like there was just felt a it felt very sexually assaulty in a lot of places. Uh huh. And I just was I I couldn't see past it. Uh huh. I agree with you because. Uh, one moment that I've always found very strange is the moment later on when and and the thing about it is none of these men are put in a great light. Right. But I feel like it's a little bit weirder in this instance, because, like I said, we're meant to like Frank. We're not meant to like. Right. Like we always know Frank yeah. is a bad guy. Larry, on the other hand, I feel like there is some amount of us that because he is the dad and because he seems to be a good dad we kind of feel a little bit more for him we're kind of a little bit more on his team but then but then that scene happens where julia is trying to distract him so she kind of like you know gets a little frisky with him and they're kind of going at it and then at the same time that that's happening Frank comes out and he's about to kill Larry. And so Julia is saying, no, no, stop, no. And obviously she's talking to Frank. But from Larry's perspective, she's talking to Larry. And it takes a very, very long time before he stops. And then when he stops, he gets upset with her. And it's like, don't, no, no, don't do that. No, No, don't do that. (laughs) Bitch, don't do that. Like. That was so freaking weird. And like, it's weird. Mm-hmm. I think you could make the argument that, because even Larry, Larry, for me in the beginning, I just, I never really liked him throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. I feel like the, the male characters in this movie are really written to not be liked very much. Like, they all seem like bad yeah. people. Besides it Steve, re- I guess. But we barely see Steve. Oh, I mean, I guess you could argue for Steve, but. <laughs> But it seems like one of the reasons why the movie feels like it's very female centric is because they're the only characters you can latch onto because they're the only 
likable ones truly and mm-hmm. so it's just a weird it's a weird dynamic when you have this story that feels like it's really being driven by the women but then you have all these scenes knowing that it's written and directed by a dude all these scenes that have this kind of um assault uh undertone to them it it just it it puts at least put me in a very moralistic weird spot mm-hmm. i was like i feel weird about this i feel very weird about what i'm seeing right here yeah. and i don't know if it's because it was an intentional choice made to shine the light on this issue or if it was an oversight and these characters are just doing the exact issue that people have an issue with today you know what i mean like i couldn't tell what the actual choice there was Mm -hmm. and i think that's overall what bothered me about it i think though that i think it does to me i feel like that is the way it is though because i feel like it almost makes it so that when they do reach the end that they get yeah they're like they get punished yeah yeah they get punished right because i feel like for larry if we liked him too much, I feel like his death really could have kind of overshadowed everything else that was happening in that ending. Because mm-hmm. his death is a pretty huge part of the end. But because it of the like kind a of lip in the grand scheme of right, things. Right. But I feel like that's because of the kind of character that he was. Right. You you, you kind of move past it right away. You're like, yeah, oh, he died. Like, oh, okay. No. Oh no, he's dead. Okay. <laughs> and so yeah, you kind of are just like, okay, sure. And then with Frank, I mean the whole movie, you're you're waiting for for his second comeuppance, right? Because he's already gotten it once. And mm-hmm. now he's got his second chance. And so it's satisfying when he again gets caught and he almost goes to, you know, attack her. And then he stopped and he is punished for for escaping because that's what he did. He he escaped the 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 Cenobites. Yeah. And so I feel like maybe that's why they are the way and I feel like maybe that's why Steve is okay, because he's a more redeemable character. Mm-hmm. Um and he's a more kind of neutral guy and so he kind of gets to survive as a result and every other male that we see in this movie because even i would say for the males that julia brings home even they're pretty aggressive and and gross for the most part and then we get that last guy who is probably the most um sympathetic out of the men that she has brought home and we get a lot more of him we get a lot more of time to kind of be like, oh man, like that sucks with him than these other guys who were kind of more like, (laughs) yeah, who were way more aggressive towards her and were making her seem a lot more uncomfortable. And then in that last one, she's the aggressor almost. She's really kind of leading him and pushing him to go into this moment and then you know yeah i suppose like at the end of the day i think my um issues with that portion of the movie can be countered with the with with that right that Mm -hmm. these characters that do these things that seem vile do get punished um 
for their actions by the end of the movie. So it's like they do get their comeuppance, but in the same in the same way, it was just like it was one of those things that experientially having to sit there and sit through it just felt really uh, uncomfortable yeah. in several places. Like I never want to hear the term come to daddy ever Mm-mm. again as Mm-mm. long as I live. Nah, it's a wrap. Yeah, that we could we could put that one to bed. Never hear that again. I'd be fine. I'd be like fine. that sentence is absolutely slaughtered. I don't want to hear that shit. <laughs> yeah, it's it's gross. <laughs> it's um, just just gross. So one thing I wanted to um, kind of ask because we 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 gloss over it a little bit because there's a lot of talking points with this movie, right? Um, how did you feel about like the big plot points that really move the story forward? Um, one, uh, one example I can think of is, uh, Kirsty and the box, right? The fact that she opens the box in the first place, did that mm-hmm. work for you or, or how did you feel? Yes. So that okay. works for me because, I think it makes sense, actually, the way that that unfolds, because as far as she knows, she knows nothing of the box. All Mm -hmm. she knows is that it's important to Frank. And in that moment in time, she's just trying to kind of make him feel like she's got a one up on him. Right. So she takes the box. And I think what's smart about the box is that it's it's framed in a way where I, in my head, I'm like, if I found this, I would probably want to solve it because it looks cool, right? Like it just looks mm-hmm. really cool and intricate. And the thing about like it is- if you found it like an antique shop yeah, or something like that. If I that. just found that box, I'd be like, oh, this is really cool. The thing yeah, about it too is the way that it works, it almost seems like it, once you start to solve it, it almost solves itself. You know, like mm-hmm. once you start to get it going, things start to happen and it kind of puts itself into place. And so right. I feel like for her, it's just kind of like, okay, what is this? Let me mess around with it, play with it. Oh, this moves. Okay, blah, blah, blah. And so she solves it. What I always wish was a little bit different in this in this scene, though, and I know that they did this because it's from the book and or from the story. And, and not to say that it's not cool, because it is. It's a cool-looking creature. The creature that she encounters when she goes down the hallway and it chases her back out, I don't think it's necessary. I almost wish that they would have had her open the box and that it would have cut immediately to the part where the, the walls start smoking and the yeah, TV changes and the Cenobites come in because they are... I feel like it's one thing too many. It's like, okay, you have this creature and it chases her and then the Cenobites come out. But normally, if we're going off of, like we said, if we're not looking at the the future films, we're going off of just what we've seen in this movie. That calls the Cenobites. They should have come. They should have come mm-hmm. right away and done their little, their little thing. Yeah. And so it's odd to me that that's not what happens, that she sees this creature, gets chased by it, and then it gets stuck behind the wall, and then they come. It's like, what was that? The pre-show? Like, y'all yeah. y'all were st- y'all were busy, so you send someone else in your place? <laughs> like, what's going on? 
Yeah, that's true. That's like the opening act <laughs> to their <laughs> show. They're like, and now for one night only, the Cinnabites. And they're like, hey, everybody. <laughs> Thank you so Back. much for coming out tonight. <laughs> No, I, I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. And I think it broke the it broke the convention that they had already set up that I, I enjoyed. I liked, I liked the immediate gratification of the moment somebody opens up a box. It's like, boom, they're there. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just how they work. That's their system. Again, they don't operate in any moralistic world. They just do what they do. You open the box, we're here. We're, we're, we're going to handle stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked that. And yeah, I kind of agree that I think the chase was a little bit extra. It was a little superfluous to the whole idea of just like, she's about to be scared shitless of anything that she sees from mm-hmm. this realm. So like, we can just show her the son of ice. Like, we don't need to add an extra layer of fear for this character she'll be she'll be afraid enough like she'll be fine right yeah it's one extra step that and then you know and and it does come back later so it's not like it shows up and then it never comes back but even when it comes back later i want i don't want that to be the final creature she has to deal with i want it Mm -hmm. to be and i understand that that might be that creature is part of the cenobite world so and and, you know we see another creature in just a second that takes the puzzle box so i feel like maybe it was kind of just to let us know that the cenobites have almost this whole world that has these these demons and that this is just a part of it like i wonder Mm -hmm. if maybe that was the gist of what we were supposed to get but at that point in time like i wanted the cenobites to be the focus of yeah especially because yeah especially because we haven't gotten um too much of them in the movie at all mm-hmm. so it's like by the time this comes around you're kind of itching to see them again too you're like come on bring them back like it's been mm-hmm. it's been 45 minutes i want to see more of these chain people yeah give me the chains yeah <laughs> and so and i do like though i i think that it was clever because they they say it themselves and we've said it already what do you do once you summon them you're that's it right like that's it for you you have kind of kind of sealed your fate and so mm-hmm. i do like the way that she turns it around and says oh well if i bring you frank like can we trade is that gonna work and they're like maybe we'll think about yeah. it let's see and then even then they're like actually we never said we would we never agreed you know like we we said we would come scope out the scene but we mm-hmm. never told you that that was a done deal. So it's like, no, we yeah. still want you. Like, I, I do like that. I think that that's fun. Yeah, and I like that they could be reasoned with as well. I just thought that it made the characters even more interesting because they see, for how much I've praised how they're just like down to business as soon as they get there, the fact that they can waver and have their own bit of choice in terms of what they do, I found very interesting mm-hmm. in regards to like the layers of their character. Um, I thought it was a fun little addition. Um, the the one other plot point that did bug me though, um, which I'll ask another, did this work for you? Is Frank's whole resurrection just seems so out of the blue to me. Like this man drips a bucket of blood on the floor and it brings him back from their realm. I don't know if there was something there that i missed Mm. in terms of how these universes work 
or if that's just supposed to be one of those suspend your disbelief and just accept that it kind of happened sort of thing. But the fact that Frank is there in the first place didn't make no damn sense to me. I, I accepted it. I accepted it, mm-hmm. but I didn't think that it made any sense. Well, so basically, um, it's like wherever the person who summons the box, wherever they get killed, mm-hmm. that's their like resting place, basically. So like they are still there in a sense, but now mm-hmm. the the Cenobites have their soul. So right. like they their being is within that area. So it's like wherever their body was last and wherever they did their thing with them, that kind of just becomes their resting place. And okay. so, and but then as we can see, like they are able to be kind of resurrected in some way. And even to call him dead is not entirely accurate either, probably because it seems like he gets sent to people who open the box get sent to this place where it's this area where they're consist they're no longer a being they can't you know have no will power of their own they're just kind of continually stuck in this feeling this sensation of like pleasure and pain and everything and torturous limbo forever so he's definitely still aware um he's just not able to you know be uh, alive i guess he's just completely at the cenobites free will um once he is taken by them then his mortal body is destroyed by them i should say yeah yeah that makes that makes that makes more sense too because they do say that like they're um because what is their threat is like we'll like rip apart your soul mm-hmm. which is such a gangster threat oh my god yeah um but i think i was misdirected by the fact that frank was in a million pieces <laughs> uh that i just couldn't like wrap my head around the how are you how are you back right now but mm-hmm. it's true i guess their soul gets tethered mm-hmm. to wherever they summon them and they're just being perpetually tortured right like that's the whole idea mm-hmm. is even after their body goes, like their soul is still undergoing whatever things the Cenobites do to you in this realm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. yeah. So all right. and make, all right, it makes more sense. It makes more sense. I'll, I'll I will let <laughs> I'll it slide. It. I concede. I concede. Um. Also, I love. I mean, Frank is basically wearing Larry's mask face as a mask that shit Mm -hmm. was not secured in any way the edges (laughs) were not were not laid it was flapping for its life like just all kinds of edges creasing bloody and nobody notices <laughs> nobody <laughs> says a thing <laughs> well i mean it's only really christy right who's there to notice but right. yeah she should have she should have seen but julia couldn't have been like um your face <laughs> you might want to fix <laughs> like, you might want to fix your face if we're trying to if we're trying to play this scheme off yeah, the maybe, way that maybe, we are <laughs> wanna, you want to pat it down a little bit just on the sides you maybe know? put some put some some edge control or something on those <laughs> seems like because they were yeah they were a little bit noticeable 
it was noticeable, but I give it to him. That was makeup wise a very creative way to tell us mm-hmm. what happened mm-hmm. while still getting to keep the same character playing their role. You know what yeah. I mean? Where it's like the makeup worked in such a way where it's like clearly this person is wearing the other person as a face, but the way it's done, it's done on the person so they can just be themselves. You know what I mean? Will imply the fact mm-hmm. that they're wearing it. And so I think in that way, it was very creative. But in the reality of the universe, yes, yeah, somebody should have called that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was the makeup in this movie is is awesome. It, it oh, really yeah. looks great. The effects in this movie still look pretty great. This is a but a lower budget film. And you can really tell that when you get to this ending with like the, the, the digital effects, but Mm -hmm. what what they're able to do practically, I think is, is great. Like the makeup looks awesome. The blood looks pretty good. And I, it really fits into the universe that they have created. And there, except there is that shot at the very beginning, the shot you were talking about where, where Pinhead is centrally rubbing the box and they close Mm -hmm. up on his hands and the makeup is like separating on his fingers. Did you notice (laughs) that? Like the tips of his, the tips of his fingers are his normal skin. And then the rest of it is the white. It's like the, his, I think because he was probably rubbing the box and multiple takes uh-huh. it looks like it rubbed off of his fingers and they didn't like reapply it nah i gotta be honest i was fully distracted by the motion <laughs> of his ocean right there the way he was doing it um hit everything for me i couldn't see a thing okay okay <laughs> <laughs> i was mesmerized by motion absolutely mesmerized but yeah let's get into this let's get into this ending a little bit um mm-hmm. what are your thoughts like what did you think of this full ending from like when she gets back to the house and kind of how she conquers the Cenobites, at least for now. Uh, overall, I really like the ending, honestly. Uh, it worked for me. I enjoyed watching Christy win and also subsequently enjoyed watching uh, Frank Larry get ripped to shreds. Uh, granted, the um the jesus web thing i didn't get i'll be honest i don't really get it like when he's being ripped to pieces and then he gets that last little one-liner i'm like i don't know what you were trying to do here this may be too much for me this may be going all the way over my head but it just that didn't land to me other than it felt like a kanye line just out of nowhere you know what i mean just randomly (laughs) jesus wept and then he explodes i was like okay sure uh, <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? Wait. Yeah, yeah. I I know what you I know I know what you're talking about. It's like licking his lips as he's being ripped to shreds. Like blah, blah, blah. Jesus wept. Blah. I, I if you would would you like a little bit of of background? Yes, please, into... please fix this for me. Okay, so Jesus wept is a phrase famous for being the shortest verse in the King James version of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And it says that what I think is means more because there's a there's like a some text about um, Lazarus and and Jesus and that story. But there's also 
um, apart from Luke's gospel that records that Jesus wept as he entered Jerusalem before his trial and death, anticipating the destruction of the temple. And I feel like maybe that's more so what like he was referring to. And there's been different interpretations of what like Jesus, because Jesus, Jesus wept in the, or in that, the shortest verse is um, because of the death mm-hmm. of Lazarus and he sees his resting place and, and then it says Jesus wept. Yeah. And so people have different like interpretations for it. Okay. And one of the interpretations is the rage he felt against the tyranny of death over mankind So I don't know if maybe that's what I mean. Frank is just so fucking weird that like, I don't (laughs) I feel like he could have said anything there and it would have still been weird. I know. I know. It just it for me, it really felt like Clive Barker was like, I'm about to slap them with some quick slam poetry during this climax scene. That's what it felt like to me. I'm going to be honest. Like, that's that's all I took from that scene is like he was like, "Uh uh-uh. We dropped that one-liner in here real quick. We, well, we're not just going to finish this off with an explosion. <laughs> well, um, apparently it was at, it was it was ad-libbed by the actor. Oh well, you know what, Mr. Barker, I apologize. This one's not on you. Uh, yeah, because I, 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 I retract okay. that statement. So I guess that, um, like. It was originally supposed to be fuck you was the line. Mm-hmm. And the actor, Andrew Robinson, um, he does not like to swear. Mm. And so he ad-libbed Jesus wept because he heard it a lot when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. And so he just ad-libbed a different line that was two words because obviously, you know, he was just trying to replace the words that. He uh, was see. going to say mm-hmm. and so that was just what he chose so i mean maybe it's one of those things where it really doesn't mean anything we're all looking into it but really he was just uncomfortable with swearing and just thought of the first thing that came to his head and now it has become i i it's, it's weird though because i actually do think that that fits in with the film because there is a lot of religious like connotations within this film oh, yeah. when they like I always think it's so interesting. It's so obvious that Larry, or maybe not so much Larry, but Julia for sure does not seem like a religious person. I mean, they have all of those um, like figurines of Jesus and like Mary and all this stuff in their childhood home. That's obviously been there from when Frank and Larry were children mm-hmm. and they hide all of them. It's like they, they get rid of all of them right away. Mm. And so it seems like Julia and at least their family is not very religious, which I just always thought that because it's like they they make it a point to show that they are not like uh, they they purposely show like when when Kiersey first comes to visit them they show that they've thrown all those figurines out mm-hmm. and I always just thought that was so interesting it's yeah. like they're throwing out any religious like connections they may have had and then you know we obviously get this whole story about you know Frank being tortured in hell and Mm -hmm. stuff like that so it's true it's true 
Yeah, it's an interesting choice. I don't know. Again, it was it was a weird moment to me. I'm willing to throw this one out to the homies. If y'all have a reason for why or a meaning behind the Jesus Web line, let us know or at least let me know because I would like to hear other people's opinions on it. Because for me, I again, at that point, the movie was so wild that you're right. He could have said anything. I would have just taken it. But it did like I did have to like try and process that one and be like, I, I just don't get it. Um, <laughs> but outside of that, I did think that the rest of the ending was pretty, pretty spot on. It was everything I kind of wanted from the ending. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see Christy win. Um, I thought that the slap box fight that she had with the monster was one of the greatest slap boxes <laughs> of all time. Um, and yeah, overall, like for such a kooky kind of bizarre movie, I think it managed to stay grounded enough that once I got to the end, I felt satisfied. And I was like, okay, this is Mm -hmm. pretty much kind of what I wanted. This is what I expected from the ending. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what about you? What did, did you, did you fancy the ending of this film? Yeah, you know, I, I like the ending of this movie. It's one of those things where I feel like it's the only thing that makes sense is for her to just reverse the puzzle box and, kind of trap them re-trap them because Mm -hmm. it's like how else is she going to defeat them i feel like in every other instance where they've probably come to somebody they immediately start doing you know whatever they plan to do to them and Mm -hmm. so they probably never had a chance to try and reverse the box and she does she has time because she has been able to kind of hold them off for a while and so and i like that each cenobite gets kind of their moment and it's like each one you can see that each one gets um summoned by a different part of the box because each one gets affected when she does a different different bit of it and Mm -hmm. i love i don't know why for some reason i love that part after steve comes and that the big creature's in the door and she's trying to like put that last piece and he's trying to like tell her what to do and she's like shut up or whatever she (laughs) like says to him and she finishes it i don't know i just think that that part's so funny because i'm like steve you just got here like you you don't don't know what's going going on on and so i just always think that that part is so funny but I, I, i also like that it's like you can't destroy it because she tries. She just tried to burn the box. And then you kind of realize that, no, this is something that has to continue happening. Um, the Cenobites are so much beyond, you know, the realm of, of the real world. And there is always a force that is going to ensure that people that are seeking this will find it in mm-hmm. some manner yeah i love that they ended it all in like a this is a cycle like this is gonna happen again Mm is one of the it was one of the instances where i was cool with it i thought like yeah that was a that was a smart way to finish it off um the gargoyle taking the or the you know flappy bone thing (laughs) taking the box is it is what it is like we all know the cgi there isn't great um in their defense they've already openly admitted that they kind of ran out of money at that point so they yeah did what they had to do, um, which happens in movie making. So you can't, I mean, you can harp on it, but we try not to. So it's, it is what it is. We get it. Uh, <laughs> but it was kind of funny to, to see the, clearly mm-hmm. the CGI fucking bat things like, God, the box is mine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I, I actually don't, I, I, I don't mind this ending, but I do almost feel similarly about this ending as I do the original Candyman ending where 
it feels a little bit it just feels like the end goes so quick and everything is just solved and mm-hmm. then it's done and i think that's because these stories do spend a lot of time building up to the end end bit you know it's it spends a lot of time adding foundation and which is great and but then you get to that ending and sometimes i I feel things get a little bit rushed and I feel similarly in this movie, but I think I like what I do prefer about this movie movies ending is I think it just goes a little bit more in line with what we've seen so far, Mm -hmm. because it really is all about the puzzle box, right? Like, we realize there's really nothing else that you can do with the Cenobites that doesn't involve that and in the same way that that summons them it it kind of makes sense that that would close the door and yeah. so although i don't think it's perfect i i also am not like i don't i'm not mad at it right 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 agreed agreed i'm with you there <laughs> you feel me yeah <laughs> um so yeah, I but I I think that that's it from for Hellraiser. Do you have any additional thoughts that you would like to? Oh wait, you know what? I do want to ask you what which is your favorite Cenobite? Um, I think visually, uh, Chatter. That's the one with the teeth mm-hmm. one, right? Mm-hmm. I think visually, Chatter. Um, but I like the I like the female Cenobite. I I, I don't know if we got her name. It's uh, just it's just female Cenobite. Okay. Well, I, <laughs> there's something about her character design that I that I enjoyed, and I think her like her body modification was the most disturbing for me. Like she was the hardest one out of the bunch for me to look at, and I think mm-hmm. that's why I liked her the most. Yeah, it's weird. I really like female Cenobite too, and then I also like Butterball. I don't know <laughs> why. I just every time he pops up, I'm just like. Yeah. <laughs> it was for me with him is just I'm curious because like the rest of them, I'd see them and I'd be like, oh shit, like you've done some things. But him, he kind of like just waddles in and you're like, how did you get in their group? That's my, that would be my first question is like, how did you survive initiation to get here? Um, I feel like you're, you're sleeper, the worst one of the group. And I don't want to be stuck in a room with you. Like that's, that's my feelings towards him. <laughs> you wouldn't want to be stuck in a room with him. <laughs> nah, because I think out of like if you're gonna get tortured by one of them, something tells me his is probably gonna be up there. It's between him and Chatter, I think. For, oh, like, like worst torture. Like doing the most. Yeah. Like whatever they choose mm-hmm. to do to you, I feel like those two have the gruesome choices. Yeah, yeah. They just look like they enjoy it. Butterball mm-hmm. looks like he enjoys it. Yeah, he he loves this shit. You could tell he's all about this world. Yeah, he's like, this is like the highlight of my day. Anytime somebody opens the box, he's like, oh my god, thank god. <laughs> I've like, been oh, shit. Here so we go again. bored. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, definitely females female Cenobite is cool. I really like I also really like the way that she sounds and I I I'm happy I'm happy that they made it so that two of them talk. And mm-hmm. two of them don't. Like, I'm glad. I, obviously, Pinhead is awesome, but I'm glad that he's not the only one that talks. I like that him and the female Cenobite kind of 
bounce off of each other. Yeah, most definitely. Cool. I agree. Because it gives it more of a uh, an ensemble feel with them, mm-hmm. where it's not just Pinhead, where maybe arguably later on it becomes more centralized towards him. Uh, but at least for this one, they really feel like a unit when they pop in. And I think mm-hmm. that adds to their fear factor. Yes, agreed. Um, but okay, what should we what should we rate this out of? Oof, that is a great and difficult question. Um, Any ideas? We can rate this out of hooks. We can Mm -hmm. rate it out of pins, out of, um, I was going to say puzzle boxes, but we might have done that for escape room. Yeah, I think we did. I think Um, we may have. So we can rate it out of... And did we did we do hooks already too? I don't know. We might have. We might have. We could We've do, covered a couple hook movies. We could do gooey kisses. Uh, but yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we could do that. Gooey Ugh. kisses. Ugh, he's so slimy and gross. Ugh. The yeah. slimiest man. Oh yeah, man. sure. Let's do let's do gooey kisses. Okay. Do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Uh. I'll go first, uh, okay. seeing as this is my first time getting oh, yeah, to watch it all the yes. way through. I'm very interested in your thoughts. Okay. I think overall for Hellraiser, I would give it three out of five, or sorry, three and a half out of five gooey kisses. Okay. Yeah. I think now, granted, some people may be heated about that because like you said, you either like love or hate this movie. So that may offend some people that I'm not <laughs> giving it more. Um, but I think the movie is like okay. I I enjoy it. I think it's very creative. I think it's very unique and it's different than a lot of things I've seen before. So I will a hundred percent give it that. Mm-hmm. Um, the plot in itself, although it works, has some questionable points for me. So like it loses a little bit of its shine in that regard. But overall, I had a great experiencing. At, experiencing i had a great experience <laughs> watching this movie um felt very uncomfortable through a lot of it but still enjoyed the ride of watching the movie i think it is one of those movies that i could probably watch a dozen more times but i kind of never want to watch it again <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's fair um but yeah so three and a half out of five gooey kisses from me nice well i'm gonna go ahead and give this 4.6 gooey kisses out of five okay okay yeah i love this movie it it is one of my favorite movies but i'm not gonna sit here and say that it's perfect because there despite it being one of my favorite movies there are still some things about this that i think don't always work for me and that's every time i watch it you know um like i said the ending is a little bit fast and you can kind of tell that they ran out of time and possibly and yeah definitely money and there are some sections i I honestly feel like this movie it's only an hour and a half fish about Mm -hmm. and there's actually quite a bit of it that could be cut i feel like and it would be the same movie and also at times the the dialogue is a little bit wonky but i love 
like I said, I love our final girl. I like that there's so many different stories within this and it kind of flip flops around. The Cenobites are awesome characters and I'm so happy that we got them on the on screen. And also the gore in this is great. The practical effects still hold up. And for the most part, the story that's told within this is streamlined. It makes sense to me. It's interesting and different. And I feel like it works. Like they 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 really did a good job of making it work and making it make sense. Mm-hmm. So yeah, four point six gooey kisses out of out of five for me. And I still enjoy it. Still enjoy watching this movie every time I every time I turn it on. Ooh, I remember well, something fun. something funny. And you know what? If nothing else, watch that dream sequence. <laughs> uh, or not dream sequence, because there's dream sequence scene in this. Watch the the reminiscing. The reminiscing se- sequence, because that gets me every time. Yeah, and I'll give it this. Like, granted, the series obviously. Uh, veers off in different directions as far as like the story and the motivations of the characters and stuff. I enjoyed this movie enough that I'll probably go through and like check out some of the sequels um, just for fun. For just sure. Just because I want to see more one. of the characters, you know? Yeah. The, the, if nothing else, the second one, a thousand percent. The second one is great. I really, really like the second one. So. If you don't watch anyone out, any of the other ones, definitely catch that one because it continues. It picks up right after this one. It continues oh, the story. Nice. Yeah, which okay. is pretty dope. I always like when sequels do that. So, yeah, that is it for Hellraiser, everyone. Whoop, whoop, we did it. Hell um, has been raised. Hell has been raised. And we hope that you enjoyed it. If you guys would like for us to potentially cover any sequels um please let us know because i definitely uh, they definitely vary in quality as time goes on so if you prefer for us to hop to any specific ones you know that i would be down for that i don't know about you but i would be there are some of these that i've missed so i'd be interested in checking out some that i haven't seen before um but yeah if you guys would be interested in us covering any more of this series or if you want to talk to us about this one in general um then you can always reach us on our social media we are homies of horror on everything or if you would like to request a different movie or you have some recommendations or any business inquiries you can always email us we are homies of horror at gmail.com and the best place to be and a great place to talk to not only us but also fellow homies is in our discord the link for that is in our social media bios discord is free as long as you have discord you can go ahead click the link you'll automatically be invited in and yeah you can chit chat with us you can make more requests recommendations you can talk to fellow homies about not only the movies we've covered but just horror in general and yeah we've been having a lot of fun in there and we get excited every time we see a new face in there so if you'd like to join that then check out our social media bios for that link while you're in there you can also go ahead and hit the link for our twitch we stream on twitch we play every single monday night we always have a homie hangout where we talk to you guys and play some spooky games and then every once in a while we will 
have some surprise streams uh, doing various things. Like I said, we had our Halloween party and we did that uh, tier list ranking, which was a lot of fun. And so, so much fun. Oh my God, so much fun. <laughs> so if you want to be there when we do that live, or if you want to go back and rewatch um, some of those past ones, because they do stay up there for a couple of weeks, then hit the link for our Twitch and go check that out. And last but not least, if you are so inclined, we would very much appreciate it if you would go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating or a review. Um, it helps us out. The more ratings and reviews we have, the more people get eyes on our podcast and get alerted of our podcasts. So if you guys have an Apple account and you would like that, we would also very much appreciate it. We like to know what you guys are thinking. And so, yeah. Hit us up with a rating or a review if you'd like. But other than that, we have raised some hell. We have talked about lots of goo. And I think we're ready to pack it in. <laughs> so we hope that you guys have a great rest of your week. And we will be talking to you later. <laughs> Catch you next time, homie. Bye.